Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. John chapter number 7 and verse number 37, the children are dismissed for Children's Church this morning, fourth grade and below. And uh, let's uh, find John chapter 7. I'll have you stand in a moment. And all the music this morning has led towards what we're going to speak about this morning. And uh, this matter of inside out is our theme and told Miss Robin ahead of time, this might take a little bit more explaining. I trust it will be crystal clear to you by the end of this morning. My goal is just to present a theme and present a burden for the year, uh, something that I want the Lord to do in my heart, and I really hope that he'll do it in your heart too. And, uh, and I trust that the Lord will just, just bring us on a journey even throughout this year. Tonight is vision night, as we'd say, and it is just an opportunity to share some additional burdens, but as well to share some goals, some opportunities, so I encourage you all to be back. You'll receive when you come, you'll receive a, a vision guide, or a, and it has calendar events. There's also a calendar out there that you can hang, 11 by 17 calendar on that, on that black table out there, uh, right outside these back doors. Please pick one of those up and uh, keep, uh, keep up to date with what's happening here, what we have planned. Now, uh, men make plans uh, but God guides things, right? God, God's the one that uh, he, we have seen him move and adjust things uh, from time to time. So we'll just trust the Lord with it all. Uh, all. But if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time, right? So uh, let's, by God's grace, set some goals and some plans and just ask God prayerfully, hey, would you help us to do this? And I believe what I have uh, what I've laid out and will lay out tonight is something that the Lord would have us to do. And so just asking him, I'm walking by faith and I'm asking you to follow, follow and uh, walk with me by faith. But you'll receive this. This will be something that you can pray on. I'd like to keep this with me throughout the year and just pray on and see how we're, how we're doing along. There will be some personal goals there that I want to encourage you about. Some goals for your marriages, our relationships as a church some things that we'll just want to take steps forward in, some outreach goals. and So we'll talk about all that tonight. As well, there will be some uh, just uh, uh, things to uh, help you keep in, in mind uh, that you'll receive on the way in, some uh, little uh, mementos that will help you just uh, keep the theme in mind and as well just continue to pray that the Lord will deepen this in our hearts. So that's all tonight, 6 o'clock. We'll be together and look forward to that time this evening. So I trust that you'll be here. Uh, let's stand on uh, John chapter 7, verse number 37. We're going to read down to verse number 50, uh, 53, and we're going to get the context here. Jesus is having an interaction at the temple, and so we're going to read about that, and we're going to catch his heart here in the last day of a great feast. John chapter 7, verse number 37. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, read it with me, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Continuing to read, He that believeth on me, as the scripture saith, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now, I like the sound of that, and I want to understand that. I want that to be my reality, and I hope that is your prayer uh, today even. Verse number 39, listen. But this spake he of the Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit, his Spirit, which... They that believe on him 
should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. He hadn't gone to heaven yet. But he has gone to heaven. He has ascended. Jesus is glorified. He is sitting at the right hand of the Father. And therefore, he's already sent the promise of the Holy Spirit. Do you agree with that? And so we have that today. This is our reality. Now, what happened? What was the response? Many of the people, therefore, when they heard this saying, said of a truth. This is, a, is the prophet. Others said, this is the Christ, the Christ being the Messiah. But some said, shall Christ come out of Galilee? Hath not the scripture said that Christ cometh of the seed of David and, and out of the town of Bethlehem where David was? So there was a division among the people because of him. You thought divisions in the culture were a, a newer thing or a a, a thing of today no there were divisions in that culture too and so verse 44 and some of them would have taken him but no man laid hands on him then came the officers to the chief priests and the pharisees you need some ominous music here and they said unto them why have ye not brought him the officers answered never man spake like this man then answered them, the Pharisees, are ye also deceived? Have any of the rulers or the, of the Pharisees uh, believed on him? But this people who knoweth not the law are cursed. Nicodemus saith, he was a Pharisee, he that came to Jesus by night being one of them, doth our law judge any man before it hear him and know what he doeth? They answered and said unto him, Art thou also of Galilee? Search and look, for out of Galilee ariseth no prophet. And read verse number 53 with me. And every man went unto his own house. I want you to just think about this whole scenario, this whole situation, everyone just kind of leaving that scene and going to their own house after all that is accomplished. But Jesus declared something very important. It's important for us to grab a hold of this year. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us. Father, thank you for this opportunity to gather around your word. I thank you for the spirit uh, that is here because you said where two or three are gathered together, there I am in the midst. So we claim that promise. We also ask that you would hinder any of the, the plan and the work of Satan in our lives and even for this gathering that we would not have the, the seed of your word plucked away or taken away in any way. Lord, that we would not be distracted but that we would understand that you bring a holy hush to our hearts and that you help us to take your word and to receive it so that it might bring life to our souls. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. Jesus never intended for the Christian life. I believe I'm speaking to mostly Christians here today. I don't take for granted there might be someone that does not understand true salvation and has not yet accepted that. And we want that for you today. But Jesus never expected that the Christian life would be a, a, just a, a, a list of do's and don'ts, a, a schedule of religious rituals and traditions, a set of, of things you must do in order to, to measure up, an act that we have to maintain, an act like a pretense or an act like an actor would, would perform, uh, he never ex expected, never designed it to be that way. The, the Christian life is not rituals. It is indeed a relationship. Do you agree with that this morning? 
It is a relationship. And how many are saying my relationship uh, still needs to grow further this year? Would you be honest about that with me? I, I do. We, we need to grow in our relationship. There's relationships in our physical life, our family lives that we need to grow in, maybe need some development. But certainly the most important relationship that we need to develop this year is our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. The reality is that if Jesus cannot satisfy you, if a relationship with Jesus Christ cannot satisfy you, nothing else in the world and no one else in the world can. No one. And we live in a world that's searching for satisfaction. There are many Christians who are searching for satisfaction because they came and drank of the well of living water, but they go on trying to satisfy themselves on a daily basis in something other than Jesus Christ. And it doesn't work. The fact is, Jesus alone can satisfy you. The Proverbs talked about uh, a cold water uh, from a, 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 a good news from a far country is like a cold water to a thirsty soul. And the reality is Jesus Christ gave us good news in himself. And, and it certainly is like that cold water, that refreshing water that just quenches our thirst. Do you feel it? Go all the way down from your mouth. Do you know that feeling? And just kind of spread out through your body. You feel it quenching the thirst. Jesus is that. Believing on Jesus is the quenching of our, our thirst and, and by his Holy Spirit that continual satisfaction that remains there in our lives as we allow him to be present and to, to work and to fill us with his, his spirit. Do you remember the day that you first drank of Jesus? Do you remember the day that you came to him and you finally realized, ah, this is the one, hallelujah, I have found him who my soul so long has craved. Do you remember the day that you first came to Jesus? And one of the reasons I, I constantly ask that question is, friends, if when we come into this gathering place, if we can just remember back to what Jesus did on that day, it will set our perspective really right. It'll help us to get things back in perspective and go back out into this week. Hey, he's changed my life. He's changed my destiny. He's changed my, uh, my living. He's changed everything about me. Jesus is the satisfaction of our soul. Jesus expects the satisfaction that we have gained from him, that we have found in him to be lived out in our daily lives. He expects that satisfaction to be lived out for the benefit of others. He expects it to be a, a constant source to all that are around us, not something we have to exert, but something that we allow to flow from us, something that we allow to be the reality in our, in our lives. As we've prayed for Brother Tom this morning, and uh, you've been lifting him up throughout this week, and he's certainly felt the prayers and needed the prayers. He's been through some pretty low, low points in his, in his life pain, just excruciating pain. He said that my pain was not on a, at 10, it was at a 15. It was just excruciating pain, and the pain meds not, not helping him. And, he's, and the Lord's helped him with some of that, and yesterday we got to see him, and Brother Andy and I, and I know Brother Dennis has been up there, and others have reached out, and, and so thankful for that. Um, but as he's been up there, one of the things that has touched me is to watch Brother Tom just be Brother Tom and touch people spiritually. And if I can put that picture in your head and you have that picture in your head, that is exactly what Jesus is wanting in our lives. That it's not something that we're having to exert, not something we have to check off a list. Well, I influenced that person for Christ today. I influenced that person for Christ. But because I'm satisfied with Christ, it's flowing from me. Now, what Jesus was standing up on the day of the feast, that, that great day of the feast, and he was declaring to them, he's, he was giving an invitation to exactly that type of living. He was giving an invitation to them, come away from everything that does not satisfy you, 
all your rituals and I want you to come to me and you're going to find satisfaction. And from that satisfaction, I want you to live out that relationship for the benefit of others. Now, what I'm calling us to, and I'm asking God to do in my heart and deepen this work in my heart this year is that we would live not as islands to ourselves, but that we would live in a satisfying daily relationship with Jesus Christ and live that out to everyone, our families, to our spouses, to our friends, to the world around us, to our neighbors, to our community, to our coworkers. It's really a concept that you will begin to see all the way through Scripture, living from the inside out. We'll talk about some of those concepts even when God told us to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and then what? Mark says, and then your strength, your strength from the inside out. It starts in the heart and it evidences itself in our strength, in our activity, in our doings. It must start from the inside. So many times as believers, we get focused on, well, I got to appear, I, I must keep up, a, I must keep up the, the, uh, the standard, I must keep up the, 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 uh, the serving the Lord, I, I must do all these things out here. No, the very most important thing in your life is your relationship with God on a daily basis. Your personal satisfaction in him, coming to the well of water over and over again by the, by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit and drinking afresh each day. And then going out into the world and, and living out that enjoyment of Jesus Christ, people will catch on. When you're satisfied with Jesus, people will catch it. People will want it. People will want it. We'll see some of those illustrations as we go through, but I want you just to notice what Jesus is calling these people to. They're in Jerusalem at the Temple Mount. He's speaking to a group of thirsty worshipers. Thirsty worshipers, he says in the last day of the feast, that great day of the feast, this is the eighth day. Now, I, I need to set a little bit of a context here in order for us to understand the importance of what Jesus is doing here. That eighth day is a Sabbath day. If you go back to Leviticus chapter 23 and verse number 39, you find out that this feast, the Feast of Tabernacles was a seven-day feast, but the eighth day was a Sabbath day where they didn't go through all the festivities. It was a, a rest day. And so I believe that this great day is the, the, the Sabbath day, the day following when they've ceased through, um, from some of the activities, but still the mind, the, the memory of the feast and all the festivities and all the jubilance and all the joy and all the gathering together was still fresh in their minds. This was the Feast of Tabernacles. The Bible also calls it the Feast of Booths or the Feast of Ingathering. And what it was, it was, it was one of the three feasts that God required of the people of Israel every year. And this feast was after the harvest was brought in, after the grapes were pressed, and it was a praise back to the Lord for the abundance of agriculture. It was a praise and a feast back to the Lord for his bounty, for his provision, and especially his provision even through the wilderness wanderings. It had some of that involved in the feast as they would look back to the wilderness when they were going through the wilderness and God continually provided for them, similar to our Thanksgiving. And so they had this Feast of Tabernacles. The, or, uh, the reason it's called Tabernacles is they would set up booths. They would make some amazing booths that they would camp out in during this feast to remind them of when they're wandering in the wilderness. So they would play camp out for a week while they were praising the Lord for his abundance. Now, along with this Feast of Tabernacles, there was also a ritual that they had added to 
all rituals are not bad. All traditions are not bad. This was a good tradition because it reminded them of something that happened in the wilderness. And it was the tradition of carrying water from the pool of Siloam all the way up to the altar in the temple and, and uh, spreading it out or uh, letting it to, uh, to, to wash out upon the altar and to remind them of the time back in the wilderness when they got water from the rock. Now, it's interesting as you think about this, Exodus 23 and verse number 15 speaks of the Feast of Ingathering, and then their additional, their additional addition of this, this ritual or this tradition to bring back to mind that the, the water coming from the rock was something they added to. Now, the Pool of Siloam, let's just get a picture of where we are in Jerusalem so you understand this a little bit. So we're looking at this. The Kidron Valley is on, uh, um, over, uh, over away from the Pool of Siloam. The Kidron Valley was the, uh, was the valley that, um, that was in between Jerusalem and the Mount of Olives. And so there was a spring out there called the Spring of Gehan. The Spring of Gehan. Hezekiah, uh, uh, Isaiah talks about that spring uh, they had created a water source from the valley into Jerusalem, and they had pulled it together at the Pool of Siloam. And uh, the Pool of Siloam is where Jesus healed a blind man. Remember when Jesus spat in the dirt and rubbed the, um, the dirt on the blind man's eyes and then said, go wash in the Pool of Siloam? That's this pool. And so that pool is down there uh, on the uh, eastern side of the uh, of the uh, city of Jerusalem, and you can see the Temple Mount. So there was a little bit of a, a walk up to the Temple Mount. And so each of the seven days of the Feast of, uh, of Ingathering, the, the priest would go down to the Pool of Siloam with a pitcher. He would get, um, get water, and there was this whole ceremony of carrying water up into the temple. If you can give me the picture of the temple, up into the temple where the, the altar was, and they would pour it out on the altar as a reminder of water from, water from the rock or God's provision of that. And so they would go through this. And this was a very happy, jubilant, uh, jubilant occasion. Uh, in fact, they said as they would, they would carry the water up and pour it out, there would be, it would be attended with trumpets, especially on the seventh day. Uh, uh, tradition history says that the priest would walk about the altar on the seventh day seven times, and there was just great jubilation, and there was much praying that went on during that time. In fact, they would pray uh, Psalm 118 and verse number 25. The priest would uh, shout out, and the people would chant along with him, Save now, I beseech thee, O Lord, O Lord, I beseech thee, send now prosperity. And so they would pray this, this psalm, and even as they poured it out, they would speak of Isaiah 12 and verse number 3, therefore with joy shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation. And so this was a whole uh, ritual and tradition that they did as a remembrance back to uh, Exodus chapter 17, Numbers chapter 20, where the water came from, uh, came from the rock. So it was a, a good thing. But the thing is, you and I both know that there are some rituals or traditions even within our family that begin to lose their sense of purpose and their, their, their sense of meaning. You know what I'm talking about? Even gathering in a, a service like this, to uh, maybe to you there's deep sense of meaning, maybe to the next generation, and the next generation it loses its sense of meaning and importance. And just understand, they're, they're commemorating things that happen generations ago and as they're gathering together and 
marveling at the provision of God, the, the water that he poured from the rock, which was a beautiful picture of, of things that come. They were doing this, but there was, it was just a tradition. It was just a celebration. It was just a feast. And then ultimately, the picture itself could not give them satisfaction in and of itself. Friends, even, even gathering together and just going through a ritual or a tradition does not mean you're satisfied and does not mean that you're actually worshiping Christ. Just singing a song does not make you worship Christ. One of the travesties of our day is that music in and of itself has been equated with worship. You can worship through music, but worship is far more than just music, right? We worship with song, and I'm thankful for that. And we've done that even this morning. Thank the Lord for that. I hope there's a song that continues on your heart from this moment. But worship is ascribing worth to something or someone. You can worship inanimate things, possessions in your life. You can worship traditions in your life and, and rituals in your life. And that was going on in this day. It was, it was the elevating, ascribing worth to the tradition in and of itself. And here is all these people gathered together. There's joy, there's music, there's trumpets, there's priests, there's, there's shouting, and there's, there's the speaking of Scripture, but they're missing the real point of what it all means. Worship, ascribing worth. We can ascribe worth to money. We can ascribe worth to a, to a sports star. We can ascribe worth to a promotion at work. Well, if I just had that. We can ascribe worth to a talent or a gift that God has given to us. You can ascribe worth to your put togetherness i always have all my ducks in a row i have it all planned out this is my plan from point a to point b this is how my life's going to work you can ascribe worth to that you can begin to worship your plan over god's plan for your life you can ascribe worth to to your status where you where you are economically socially do you realize the church of laodicea they said we are rich Increased with goods and have need of nothing. Boy, they worshiped their position as a church. They worshiped where they were. They worshiped, hey, we're in good standing. We are the church that has it all. We have all the programs. We all have all the wealth. We have it all together. We're rich, increased with good. We don't need anything. We don't need, and they didn't even realize they didn't even need Jesus. Though they did. We can ascribe worth to the praise of men like an Ananias and Sapphira who wanted to give and to be seen of men, wanted to get the accolades from the church. We can ascribe worth to this present world. Well, if Jesus comes back, then I'll miss out on... Ooh. I don't know if I'm ready to go see Jesus. Now, none of us want death, right god has created us to love life and we should love the life that he's given us but is there a lot of strings attached does the world have a lot of strings attached to you we can ascribe worth to this present world like a demas who forsook paul having loved this present world we can love preeminence and ascribe worth to preeminence being known and being seen and being out in the forefront like a diatrophies who loved to have the preeminence we can ascribe worth 
to our service for Jesus, like a Martha. Well, Mary, Mary doesn't have it, Jesus. She is, she's kind of stepping out of line because she's spending time with you. I'm serving. Won't you tell my sister to come and serve with me? We can ascribe worth to our service. We can allow that to be bigger to us than Jesus himself. That doesn't mean that we don't serve. But we can elevate that as something I worship more than Jesus himself. Well, I serve him. Is that not what some will say in that day? Well, I've done all these things in your name. Jesus wants to be worshipped for him. If Jesus can't satisfy us, nothing else and no one else can. And friends, our personal worship of Jesus is of utmost importance. If you only look to worship Jesus on Sunday when we gather here together and on Wednesday or when you're with a group of other believers, you're going to be very unsatisfied. So they are gathering there as worshipers but are thirsty. They, they're going through motions. They're doing good things. There's nothing biblically wrong with what they're doing. There's nothing wrong with walking down to the pool of Siloam and remembering what God had done in providing water himself out of a rock. There's nothing wrong with that. But they're missing the point of it. They were going home, as the Bible says at the end of the chapter. They all went home. There was a division. Some said, well, he's a prophet. And others said, well, he is the Christ. But, and some believed. Some went home and they, they understood. But many went home without truly understanding what they were picturing there that day in the Feast of Ingathering in Tabernacles. It's interesting how we can gather for worship and some can go home, be satisfied in their hearts, and others go home, and their heart's still empty. Lord, help us. Lord, help us to find uh, lasting satisfaction in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Year after year, they would gather together for these feasts, and they would do the same thing over and over again. And yet, it was this year that Jesus stood up on that eighth day and said, Listen, I have something to say to you. I need you to hear me on this. And he said, with a loud voice, standing in contrast to the, how the rabbis would, um, would teach, he didn't sit down like they would. He stood up and was able to be seen, and he declared a very, very important message. And I want us to notice not just the thirsty worshipers, but a soul-satisfying Savior. And I do mean that he is the one who can satisfy their souls and, yes, our souls today. Look at John 7, 37. Jesus stood and cried, If any man, if any man, if any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. Does that language sound a little bit familiar? Maybe if you go over to Matthew chapter 11 and verse number 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There he was inviting them to rest. Here he's inviting them to find a quenching to their thirst in himself. In both places, he is presenting himself as the answer to the longing in their heart. I am what you need. I am what you need. Not a ritual, though not all rituals are bad, and not all traditions are bad, and not all these methods are bad, but the fact is you need me. You need me. 
at the, on the core of that ritual. He stood. The idea of the standing there is that he was watching what was going on in those days. He had been standing and observing. I am reminded that Jesus, even today, still stands in the midst of his churches, Revelation chapter 1, and he's watching what is going on in the hearts and the lives of his believers. He's watching what's going on in his body. And he stood there and looked about and he observed. Here's these people going through an empty ritual. A ritual that they didn't understand the deep meaning of. And I want to bring together for them and help them to understand I am the one that you've been, you've been celebrating. I am the one that you've been crying out for. He cried as with a loud voice, as, with, as a herald delivering a royal message saying, listen, I want to invite you all who are spiritually thirsty, come to me. Come to me and drink of, drink of me. He was inviting them to a, a relationship. He was not giving them another ritual to go through. He was inviting them into a relationship with himself. Not a picture they would celebrate, a person they would experience. Listen, God wants you to experience himself this year. Not just this year. He wants you to experience himself today. He wants you to experience him in this hour. He wants to be the experience of your life. Wearsby said as at the feast, the Jews were reenacting a tradition that could never, never satisfy the heart. Jesus offered them living water and eternal satisfaction. Eternal satisfaction. I am the answer to your prayer. You pray in Psalm 118, save us. Well, I'm the answer to that prayer. You pray in, in Isaiah 12 and verse number 3. You pray about uh, the waters being drawn uh, uh, the, uh, from the wells of salvation. I am the answer to that prayer. I am the one. I want you to go back to Exodus chapter 17 and verse number 6. Exodus chapter 17 and verse number 6. And let's note, back in the time when they were celebrating, Exodus chapter 17 and verse number uh, 6, there was murmuring that was going on. There was murmuring there in the wilderness, and they were murmuring because they did not have water. God comes to Moses, and he says, Moses, I'm going to provide water out of a rock, and I need you to take the elders of the people, and I need you to take the, the staff that's in your hand, the same one that you, you struck the Nile with, the same one that you struck the Red Sea with, the same one that you've used in leading the people, and I want you to take that staff, and I want you to smite the rock. I want you to smite the rock, and water's going to come out. Look at verse number five with me. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go on before the people and take thee the elders of Israel and thy rod, wherewith thou smotest the river, take in thy hand and go. Behold, I will stand before thee. I love that. I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it the, that the people may drink. That the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. Now, that's a miracle. Light, water out of a rock. What a miracle. Smiting a rock with a rod. What a, a godsend to them that were so thirsty. And just as the picture is there in the wilderness, thirsty souls, they're wandering about in the wilderness. God gave them water from the rock. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying. Here on this day, when you all as thirsty worshipers are gathering together, going through a ritual and a tradition, and you don't know the end meaning of, the deep meaning of this, I am saying, I am the answer. 
I'm the one you've been looking for. I'm the one that you've been praying for. I'm the Messiah you've been hoping for. He says, come, approach to me. He commands this. He urges them. Similar to the urging that he tells us to give to all men. Believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. I urge you, he says, come to me. He says, drink, take in. And again, he commands us, take this in. Come to me and drink. They had a choice. You've heard the, the phrase, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink, right? Jesus doesn't force us. He doesn't force us to believe on him. He invites us to believe. He commands us and urges us, this is what I want for your life. Would they continue in their unsatisfactory uh, uh, celebration of a ritual? Or would they come to him and find full satisfaction for their souls in believing in him? Look at verse number 38, John chapter 7, verse number 38. I want you to read that first phrase with me. He that believeth on me, let's say that together. He that believeth on me. It continues the same thought from the previous verse. The drinking is this believing on me. The drinking is trusting in him, taking, taking him in and believing on what he is. The taking is the trusting in him for salvation. The drinking is finding satisfaction in what he has accomplished at the cross. What a beautiful, beautiful picture that that is. When you came to Jesus, if you remember back to that day, when you came to Jesus, that's exactly what happened. You found the satisfaction to a longing that was there for many a year, and you didn't know where to turn. Maybe you tried many different solutions, maybe even different religions, maybe even your own way. But you finally came to a, a moment where you was like, Jesus, Jesus is it. I believe, I accept, I drink of him. The Bible says in John 4 and verse number 13, with the woman at the well, Jesus answered and said unto her, whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. Talking about the water, by the way, any water drunk from the pool of Siloam, any water that they had, they would again thirst from. It could not, it could not quench their thirst. The ritual could not they could pour water out all day long in celebration, but it wouldn't quench their thirst. But he says to the woman at the well, he says, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Praise the Lord for that. Springing up into our hearts, everlasting life, that confidence, I have been redeemed, I have been forgiven, I have been justified, I have been reconciled through this water, through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to direct your attention to the final book of the Bible, Revelation chapter number 21 and verse number 6. Three times in the final chapters of Revelation, he gives this, this wonderful invitation. He invites us to come. He invites all humanity to come. Revelation 21 and 6, it says, And he said unto me, It is done. Jesus speaking to John. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is of thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. Freely. Without cost. He doesn't charge for it. You don't have to pay for forgiveness of your sins. You don't have to pay for satisfaction. 
That's how Satan does things. Satan demands of you, robs you of your life and your wherewithal. Not Jesus. He gives of the water of life freely, just simply come and drink. Revelation 20. 2 and verse 1, and he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the, the throne of God and of the Lamb. He goes on in verse number 17, look at it with me, in the Spirit and the Bride, Jesus being that, say, come, and let him that heareth say, come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Have you taken of the water of life freely? That's the invitation. Friends, that's the invitation Jesus is still shouting out, declaring to the world as if he's standing, but yet now he is standing through his church, still declaring that over and over throughout every corner of the globe. Hey, come, take of the water of life freely. Don't continue through your rituals and your traditions and your empty worship. Come to me, I will give you satisfaction of heart. I wonder today, if that's your reality, you've come to Jesus Christ has Satan deluded you to think that there's satisfaction in something other than staying right there at the fountain of living water and continually drinking every single day through his word and finding satisfaction, a continual refreshment from Jesus Christ? I want you to bow your heads for a moment. You and God. What would make Think about your life right now. Think about the scenarios you're going through. Think about the trials. Think about the challenges. Think about the undones. What is it, what is one thing that comes to mind when I ask this question? What is one thing that comes to mind? And here's the question. What would make you happy today? What is the one thing, if, if you could just have, it would make you happy? Maybe as you walked in here, maybe you know the right answer to that. Maybe as you walked in here, you had on your mind, or as you went throughout the day yesterday, like, if this would happen, I'd be happy. What is the one thing that would make you happy today, this week? What is the one thing? Likely that one thing has been the thing that you, you've kept on saying, if just I have this, or if this situation changes. Do you have that in mind? Look back up this way. If that answer in our lives is anything other than Jesus, we need to run to Jesus. He is the only satisfaction for life. And you know how easy it is to put something else in Jesus' place in our life? I'm talking to Christians here. How easy it is if, if this person calls me, or if 
this scenario happens at work, if I get this deal, or if I can get this place, or if I can have this car, or if my children would do, and we can put so much in the place where Jesus is to be the only satisfaction of our heart. Listen, that's the picture of salvation, but it's to be a continual, lifelong, daily reality. And I don't know about you, I struggle a whole lot in this. There's days that I'll find myself going through and I'm thinking, if, if just this would happen, I could be at peace. Mm, something's not right. Do I need anything more than Jesus to be fulfilled in life? Do I need anything more than Jesus to be satisfied? And do you remember back to the day that you trusted in him and it was like everything else just kind of went away. It was the focus. Like, I finally found it. This is it. This is, boy, I could live the rest of my life this way. This is great. We should live the rest of our lives that way. It doesn't mean that we don't tend to problems. We don't have problems. We don't carry burdens. And he asks us to come to him. But we come to him with those burdens and say, Lord, I need you. And I love you for the fact that you are one that walks through me, through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil for thou art with me. I'm, you're right there with me and you're satisfying my soul even now in this valley. Is Jesus enough for you? If our hearts cannot be satisfied with Jesus alone and his work in our lives through salvation, through sanctification. Our hearts can be satisfied in him alone. Nothing else, no one else will satisfy us. Your church family won't satisfy you. The church won't satisfy you. Your family won't satisfy you. Your promotions, they won't do anything for you. They won't satisfy. Jesus alone must be the point of satisfaction. And so he declares to all these thirsty worshipers, I'm the answer to your prayer. I'm the one that you've been longing for. Drink of me, come. Drink of me, believe on me, trust in me, accept me. Take me into yourself, and I want you to have your thirst satisfied in me, but it doesn't stop there, as you well understand. Out of his belly, he says, as the scriptures say, it's out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Let's say that together. Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Listen, I like the sound of that. I like the sound of, of, of the, the life that that brings, the 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 encouragement, the, the, the movement, the motion. You ever feel like you're getting stagnant in life? Nothing's happening. I can't, I can't accomplish anything. I like the sound of that from me, from my life, from my heart, from my lips, from my eyes, from my, my hands would um, be something moving and encouraging and helping other, other people. The Bible talks about in Psalm 23 that the Lord leads us beside the still waters, the waters just being refreshing and encouraging, but that my life could be that to someone else. That my life could be a, a constant flow, a, a constant river of life, of living water to other people. He says, shall flow rivers, rivers. Not a river, not a stream, not a cup. Rivers of living water. What a Savior we have. Now I want to quickly draw the parallel here. He says in verse number 39, by way of explanation, he says this is the Holy Spirit. 
This is the Holy Spirit. Do you realize there's not one of us in here that cannot have this as our reality? This is what Christ has planned. Come drink of me. I'm going to give you my spirit. And out of your belly, out of your life, is going to flow rivers of living water by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what's going to be the reality. This isn't something you have to go concoct. This isn't something you have to manipulate. You have to work up. This is the reality for those that have come and drunk of Jesus Christ. The Bible talks about this concept in Numbers chapter 20, that, uh, that the time when Moses uh, disobeyed the Lord and, 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 and struck the rock instead of speaking to the rock. Uh, the Bible still says God blessed his people with the water coming out of the rock abundantly. What a great picture. Abundant provision. Jesus talks about our lives having rivers of living water. Rivers, not just, a, uh, not just one, but many. Psalm 78 and verse 15, he claved the rocks in the wilderness and he gave them drink as out of a great depths. He brought them streams also out of a rock or out of the rock and caused the waters to run down like rivers. Do you know God is still wanting to do that today? Through you, through your life, in this community and in your home and in my home, that's what he wants to do. He wants it to flow out, to gush out. Now, this is the only time in the New Testament where the word flow is used like it is here. To gush out, to abound, to move along. And Jesus uses it to indicate out of our lives, this would be something that we allow, that we choose to allow him to do through us. Rivers, such an abundance to bring forth water abundantly as was depicted there in the, in the wilderness, even with the shortcomings of Moses. That's what he wants to bring out of our lives. You're not a stranger to this. I, I talk about it. I love the river in West Virginia. The close second is the river uh, at East, uh, the, the Metro Park up here. Um, up by Harshman, Mad, Mad River. But that's, that's a second because there's no mountains there. I don't know what it is about the mountains, but uh, the sun coming over the mountains and the trees and uh, the occasional eagle, it's, it's pretty awesome. But I have here, and I, just as a reminder for me and uh, to bring you in on it, the river there in West Virginia. I love the Potomac River. Now this is the, the North Fork of the South Branch of the uh, of the Potomac and it goes on. The people around there know about it all. There's all these south and north. It, it winds around a bit, but that's, that's the Potomac River. And uh, turn it up a little bit, guys. Ah, yes. There's something about a river. You know something about a river? When I go there, most of the things that are on my mind kind of fade away struggles i just i don't know maybe water annoys you it doesn't me and i i i so enjoy just being there and it just it's calm friends that's exactly what jesus says that your life and my life will be by the presence and power of the holy spirit and he said to them when i go back to heaven this is going to be what i'm sending and this is what i'm going to make your life a river of living water a a constant flow. You don't, you don't stop this river. Now, it's pretty low here. This was earlier this summer. It's pretty low, but it's still flowing. Cool, fresh, wonderful water. A constant flow. And he says, that's what your life is going to be. Well, 
so many times in our Christian life we think, well, I, I gotta do this, I gotta do this, I gotta manipulate this circumstance, I, I must check off this box in order to be. No, that's not the picture of what Jesus is inviting us to. Drink of me and I will give you my Holy Spirit and out of your life is gonna be a constant flow of water. You can turn that off. I'm going to have everyone going to the bathroom here pretty soon. <laughs> we'll have to take an intermission. <laughs> Life-giving water. Now we're going to need to regroup. It's out of your belly. We don't use that. I love you from my belly. We use things like, I love you from the bottom of my heart. Same idea. From the inside of you, from your innards, from the inner, innermost place of your heart, he says it's going to flow. It's not going to be something you have, to, you have to contrive, that you have to make up. Friends, it's a dangerous thing when we're trying to make up Christianity. We're trying to make up the work of God. We're trying to make up a passion for souls. Listen, when we're in love with Jesus, it's going to flow from us. When we're allowing his Holy Spirit to have his will and way in our life, when we're totally surrendered to him, that's a daily process, when we're totally surrendered to him, it'll happen. That's where we get messed up. Well, pastor says, we're going to do this, this, and this this year. No, what I'm calling us to is you be satisfied in your relationship with God and let God God flow through us. I don't know what 2023 is going to look like. I can say, here, let's, let's aim for this. But God might change that. And it's okay if he does. But the reality is, if we're all as a church, as his body, finding great satisfaction in our relationship with him, listen, it's no, it's no telling. There's no telling what God can do through us. Rivers are powerful. Rivers don't have to threaten power. They just are. Rivers don't have to, you know, to boast of giving life-giving water. They just do. Well, I'm a Christian and you should listen to me because I, I've read my Bible and I know the way it should go. No, it just happens. That's what's going to flow from our life. Life-giving, directional insight to people all around us through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the, the one thing that we must grab a hold of. Jesus invites us to have the satisfaction in our hearts. As Vincent said, the, the word belly here means the inmost heart of the believer, which pours forth spiritual refreshment. We must grab hold. This is a heart thing first, and then the externals happen. That's why the theme, inside out. There must be a cultivating, a, 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 a focus on a relationship with Christ inside, in your daily prayer closet, in your ride to work, in your daily life, before it can ever be an outside thing. Jesus said, come drink of me. Then, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Let's focus on a relationship with Christ. Just as water satisfies the thirst and produces fruitfulness, so the Spirit of God satisfies the inner person and enables us to bear fruit. Jesus was talking of this in John 15. Abide in me. Stay there. Continue in me. You know what? You're going to bring forth much fruit. It's not going to be something, you know, I got to grow fruit. No. It just happens. 
when we're attached to the vine. Now here's the warning. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, quench not the spirit. What gets in the way of this process happening, it is God's will for every one of us to be a river of living, to have rivers, rivers of living water flowing from our hearts. That's God's will. That's Christ's plan. It's not just, I'm saved, I'm away to heaven, great, but not affecting anyone, not giving life, life to those around us. No, he wants rivers of living water flowing from us. But what stops that up is quenching the Holy Spirit. What stops that up is when we grieve the Holy Spirit of God, we don't surrender to him, we don't say yes to him, and the river stops up. Friends, I, we, I, I can't, I, I'm not the Holy Spirit to you. You know when you've grieved the Holy Spirit. You know when you've stopped him. And you also know what it is to live from that, muted. You know what it is when you go into work to be, to be kind of uh, cold to the needs of the, the lost around you because inside you're warring with the Holy Spirit. You know what it is to gather in a place like this and to not have anything of life and substance to give to one another because you're internally battling with the Holy Spirit. You're quenching the Spirit of God. Listen, if you say yes to the Holy Spirit and say yes to what he's telling you, your reality will be, not might be, your reality will be rivers of living water flowing from you. That's, it, and that's his desire for us. So once we've experienced that total satisfaction in Christ, we've believed on him, he gives us that Holy Spirit, his Holy Spirit, his Holy Spirit to indwell you and me. He's there in his presence, he's there in his power, and he says, just let me do my thing through your life. And what you're going to see is rivers of living water flowing from you. Jesus told the disciples as he sent them out to preach and to give the gospel, freely you have received, freely give says to us today, freely you have received this living water. Freely give it. Let it go. Let it flow out of your heart. The woman at the well, she goes back into town. Hey, did you, you got to come out and see this man. Hey, he told me everything about my life. He told me about my relationships. He told me about the things I've done wrong. He didn't condemn me. He just drawn, he asked me to come to himself and to drink and to have this living water. You got to come out and see him. And you know what? The town comes out to see this person she was talking about. And some of them believe because of her statement, but then we get down to it in, in John chapter 4, verse 42, and they said, all these people from the town of Samaria, now we believe not because of thy saying, woman, for we have heard him ourselves and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. And the picture is, here's a woman that was in turmoil, so ashamed that she came to the, the, the well at an odd time of day so she could avoid the people in town, and she found Jesus there. And mark it down, there are people in your life so ashamed they won't even darken the door of a church, but you can find them in other places seeking satisfaction for their thirst. And, and, and Jesus showed up and, and met her there at the, at the well and says, just drink of me. She did. She didn't have to work it up. She didn't have to make a plan, and she didn't have to print up things. She just went out and told and broadcasted, and the town comes out to see Jesus, and they believe on Jesus. 
You talk about rivers of living water. Jesus was still sitting there at the well side, but here's this woman going into town, and she's, she's bringing that water right out there. What a picture. What a beautiful picture of what Jesus wants us to be. As we conclude this, I want to draw our attention back to Exodus chapter 17. Moses stood there on that day with God standing before him, the elders of Israel and the people uh, around. He strikes the rock at the command of the Lord. He was supposed to at this first instance, and water came out. I want to draw your attention to a, a, a parallel or the fulfillment of this verse in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse number 4. And all did drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. Now please get the picture here. There was a day when the world and wicked men, by the use of uh, 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 Satan's plan and, and Judas betrayed Christ and he was delivered up to sinful man and by the determinate counsel of God and the free will of man he was nailed to a cross and God allowed him to be smitten for our, trans uh, for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities that the, his healing might flow out upon us and the, the reality is Jesus that day was stricken like that rock and he was bruised for our sins for our transgressions and friends he went to the grave and he was buried for three days and three nights he rose victorious over sin death and hell and he went back to the on uh, to the right hand of the father and he sent the promises of his holy spirit he is not just the water in one one place but he sent the promises of the holy spirit so that all across the world all that believed on him would become rivers of living water all across the world influencing people around the globe friends this could not be more beautiful and more encouraging to our hearts than the fact that Jesus, who is living water, has put inside of us his Holy Spirit to be living water to everyone around us. The reality is he went to the cross, he was bruised for us, smitten for us in the fulfillment of the very thing they were celebrating in Jerusalem that day. He would go to the cross, he would be that for them, he was the answer to their prayer, and if you've accepted Jesus Christ and drank of that living water, he has promised to you, I want to make rivers of living water flow from you. Oh, Lord, help us to allow this to be the reality. I was thinking as we read that prayer letter from the Gospel Film Project on, on, on Wednesday night, and that one testimony from Columbia, do you remember that? The man goes, this can't be true. I have to hear this on the bus, on the street, knocking on the door of the house, and now on Facebook, triple question marks, rivers of living water, meeting him on the bus, meeting him at his door, meeting him on Facebook, meeting them in different places. Listen, God designed for our lives to be a constant flow of living water to this world. We can't do that. We've not first come and drank of him. If you've not yet, today's the day. Today's the day of salvation. Believe on him. Friends, we can't do that if we're, allowing, if we're hindering the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, if we're saying no to him. Be free. Say yes to the Holy Spirit of God. Whatever he's asking of you, say yes. Say yes, I'll obey, I'll do it. Whatever it costs, it's worth it. 
It's worth it. Your life will be radically changed. And so won't others around you. Jesus is calling us to live inside out. He's not calling us to put up a show, put on, to, 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 to do an act. He's calling us to live inside out from that satisfying place of relationship with him, living that out to everyone around us. And that's my prayer for this year, for me, for you. And let's ask the Lord to help us with that, would you? Would you bow with me? I'm certain the heart cry in every heart is, Lord, teach me what this means. Teach me what this means. In a moment, I'm going to invite you to pray something along this line. Dear Jesus, thank you for your salvation that you've given to me by faith. I have experienced the satisfaction that you are. Please teach me what it means to have rivers of living water flowing from me. Teach me to live my life, to live out my relationship with you through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit for the spiritual benefit of those around me. I don't know how exactly the Lord might be working in your heart today, but I want to invite you to seek the Lord and ask him to help you to understand what this means and that this would be your daily reality. Father, we are needy people. I have nothing to give to these people or to my family or to this community without you. Nothing of Josiah will benefit them unless it is your living water flowing from me. God, I pray that you would help our church to be that type of place where we as believers are so in love with you and so satisfied with you and so surrendered to your Holy Spirit that, Lord, just as you said, rivers of living water would flow from us to the spiritual benefit of folks around us. Lord, help us to crave this more than life itself. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Would you stand with me and come and find a place to pray this morning? Lord, I want this to be true of me. Let's do business with the Lord. The altar is open, and I encourage us to find a place to kneel and to pray this morning. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To learn more about Grace Baptist or how to have eternal life, visit gracekettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.